broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Barry Ritholtz. In the opening bell, brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks lower at the open. The S&P 500 down to tenths percent or three points to 2033. Dow Jones Industrial Average down to tenths percent or 42 points to 17,492. NASDAQ's down to tenths percent or 10 points to 4756. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.85%. Yield on the two-year 0.85%. NYMEX crude oil down 3.3% or $1.30 to 38.09 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 6 tenths percent or $7.90 to 12.29.70 an ounce. The euro $1.1207. The N113.47. Tom and Barry. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Oil uh, plunging is the right word. 38.80 down to 38.10. We're going to get a 37 print here in a bit on West Texas uh, Intermediate. There are some headlines. I'm not going to say it's related to price, but nevertheless, uh, recently uh, we've seen some headlines invo- involving the Kuwaitis and the Saudis preparing the Kafji oil field for restart. I'm not sure that's the headline moving the market, but... That is the headline that lines up on the Bloomberg. Again, oil <coughs> doing it in about face. Um, joining us right now is someone who's enjoyed being right, being wrong, which means he's qualified to be on surveillance. President of Seabreeze Partners, real money contributor, always controversial, always interesting, informative, Douglas uh, Cass. Doug, good morning. Good morning, guys. Barry, um, this is some pleasure. Yeah, with Barry Reynolds, you can't do better than that. I know. I have to come into Bloomberg to get Doug um, on the phone. Barry said he wouldn't come on, Doug, unless we talked about your girlfriend, Tina. And uh, <laughs> Tina is really something. She's a piece of work. There is no alternative is Tina. I love your idea on that, the idea of the certitude. There is no alternative. I, I think T-I-N-A, there is no alternative, is B.S. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, I think asset is, is a legitimate, uh, and cash is a legitimate asset class. It insulates you from declines in the capital markets, both bonds and stocks. Um, and I think it's the, the concept of Tina, advocated by my friend Jason Trenard, to me is a fairy tale that's told by strategists who fail to recognize that cash is an alternative asset option. So I'm going to push back on Doug because I think both Jason and Doug are talking about two different types of investors with two different timelines. What Tom and I were talking about earlier was the individual investor who's got 20, 25, 30 years till retirement and has shown an ineptitude for timing the market well. They tend to buy things at the wrong time. They tend to get scared out of the market at the wrong time. Unlike professionals like Doug, who have a methodology and have a discipline that allows them to say, hey, I'm wrong, I have to reverse course. Individuals don't really seem to do that, do they, Doug? They don't, but like the expression, time heals all, I think the notion of... uh, 
an investment outlook beyond uh, three or four years, to me is more, Barry, like a religion or a philosophy than a forecast. So I tend to um, uh, be, a, excuse the expression, a bit lo- more practical and uh, and uh, less worldly, so to speak, than you. You're, in you're a pragmatic at, trader. You you yeah, are in yeah. the mix well, of I like the day to combine. Yeah, I like to combine, um, you know, in a normalized environment where there are, you know, you talked about in a previous uh, segment, Tom, um, that Barry um, said that he felt the despondency on the part of the retail investor is a signpost to him that there's a great deal of bearishness and opportunity in the equity market. But the other side of the token is that the large four years of outflows from um, equity funds, domestic equity funds, Mm -hmm. has been transferred. And the dominant investor is no longer the retail investor. The dominant investor are the quants and their machines and algorithms. And these guys are agnostic, Barry, to private market value, to balance sheets. Right. And to income statements, so they carry on in the same manner the retail investor and speculator, individual what? investor and speculator carried on in the late 1990s. If you're today. Just, just joining us, Doug Cassie's partners, Real Money Contributor. Doug, well, if, if I look at you with very cautious view on the market, you've reaffirmed that recently. If I look at you as saying cash is an asset class, what do you need to see to become enthused over equities? Well, I need I need to see positive responses to the three questions that I ask myself every morning. So I get up at 4:30, I read the New York Post sports section, <laughs> I, I I smile when I see um, uh, the Yankees uh, dominating the Red Sox, and I have a little smile when the Dodgers do well. And I ask myself three questions. If I can get a positive answer to those in response to your question, if I get a positive response to these three questions, which I cannot today, I become more optimistic. And my three questions are very simple. One, in a paperless and cloudy world, are investors and citizens alike as safe as the markets assume we are? Two, in a flat, uh, interconnected world, is it even possible for the United States to be an oasis of prosperity and a driver or engine of global economic growth. And finally, three, uh, with geopolitical coordination of the G8 at an all-time low, if the wheels do come off, how slow and inept will the reaction be? So I don't find the answers to any of these questions as um, as particularly salutary for the stock market. Mm. So so when we're looking at those, let, let's take each of those in in order. So in a cloudy and paperless world, what was the rest of that that first question? I don't remember. <laughs> I said I think I said are citizens and investors alike as safe as the market? Okay, so so that that's a fascinating question because it requires us as investors to substitute our own judgment for the market's perspective, and we know most of the time the market is right. It's only at the extremes. Where where the market goes off the rails, either to the upside or the extreme downside. Well, I'll tell you something, Bear. Uh, since August 2015, we have had four 10 percent drawdowns. That's a lot yeah. of drawdowns. Um, so I think we're in a 
substantially more uh, hostile, geopolitically speaking, Looney Tunes from a political standpoint, and as you mentioned, as Tom mentioned earlier, subpar economic um, uh, global growth trajectory. So, so I think there's a lot more volatility ahead. Uh, as I said, we have Looney Tunes in politics, but you have to remember I'm from Florida, and that's the base of lunatics because that's where Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and Goofy live. Well, let's come back. Doug Cass with us. We'll talk about the equity markets here. A lot to talk about and uh, all of that within the churning of the last year. The S&P about negative 1.6% for the last 12 months. The Dow negative 78 right now. The VIX 0.53 points, 15.77, still below the three-decade uh, average. Uh, a weight to the market, a little bit risk off here. Again, Chair Yellen speaking uh, at the Economic Club of New York. Uh, at 12 noon, Bloomberg Radio will cover that in its entirety. Um, so I, I think that will be most uh, interesting as well. Oil down a dollar twenty-eight, thirty-eight eleven. Wow, thirty-eight eleven per barrel. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Mazda White Plains. Visit MazdaWhitePlains.com with our news. Here's Michael Barr. Tom Barry, thank you very much. A man who hijacked an Egyptian airplane has been arrested. The man who claimed to have an explosives belt forced Egypt Air to land in Cyprus. Egypt Air Flight 181 was en route from Alexandria to Cairo with 55 passengers on board when the hijacking incident began. Aviation consultant Steve Ganyard says this is another setback for Egypt's airline industry. Well, you remember the, uh, the recent uh, downing of the Russian airliner in the Sinai uh, points to how weak security actually is in Egypt. And so uh, this certainly isn't surprising that a domestic flight uh, where the security was probably quite poor uh, allowed somebody to get on board with either a weapon or, or a bomb. A summit on nuclear security starting today is bringing world leaders to Washington, including those from China, Japan, and South Korea. The goal of the nuclear summit is to keep nuclear material out of terrorist hands. A snowstorm forecast for Wyoming could be bad news for U.S. cattle herds. The National Weather Service says the snow could make it difficult for farmers because newborn calves are vulnerable to the cold and deep snow. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists, more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Tom Barry. Michael, uh, thank you so much. Deterioration, negative 100 on the Dow, 17,436. S&P down 8 points of VIX, 15.833. Barry Ritholtz and Tom Keene with us. Douglas Cass of Seabreeze. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance. Nine forty on Wall Street. Still ahead, more of Bloomberg surveillance with Tom Keen and Barry Ritholtz. Global business news, twenty-four hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. International trade or business dispute resolved faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. 
A fourth day of declines in the price of crude is sending U.S. stocks lower with commodities prices and emerging market currencies, while Treasuries advance as investors await a speech from Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen for clues on the path of interest rates. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P 500 down three-tenths percent or six points to 2030. Dow Jones Industrial Average down half percent or 81 points to 17,453. The Nasdaq's down three-tenths percent or 12 points to 4,754. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.85 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.85 percent. NYMEX crude oil down three and a half percent, or a dollar thirty-five to thirty-eight oh three a barrel. COMEX gold is up four tenths percent, or four dollars forty cents to twelve twenty-six twenty an ounce. And the euro a dollar eleven ninety-nine. The yen one thirteen point four two. Home values in twenty U.S. cities kept climbing in January. The S&P Case-Shiller Index of Property Values increased five point seven percent from January twenty fifteen, following a five point six percent gain in the year ending in December. Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Francisco President John Williams said the U.S. economy appears to be weathering cooler global growth, and he repeated that the central bank will raise interest rates at a gradual pace. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry. Karen, uh, thanks so much. With us, Doug Kass, President of Seabreeze Partners, real money contributor. Uh, is Well, Doug, if, if you're cautious on the market, and I get the idea of comforting cash, what do you short here? What's the dumbest thing out there that sets up for a perfect southern move? Um, <laughs> I would say that the only certainty in this market, Tom, is the lack of certainty. <laughs> but um, the sectors that I like on the short side um, would be uh, the life insurance sector, where the reinvestment challenges are profound in a lower-for-longer interest rate yeah. environment. Uh, secondly, the media industry is exposed to cord cutting. It's a real theme. It's a secular a change in the business model of the companies exposed to companies like Comcast and Disney. I, can I just uh, very briefly respond one more time, because it's an addendum to Barry's question, because it's really important. The whole issue of risk profile and time frames, Barry. Um, most of my investors are not 30 years old and don't have 40-year time frames. I would say that in the four decades I've been investing I can't recall a time when there have been so many possible market and economic outcomes, many of them adverse, Tom. Our markets and our economies have never been so monetary policy dependent, and our fiscal authorities have never been so partisan and inert. And this is a huge problem. I do have a sense that we might be in an inflection point in its extreme barrier, uh, 2016, 2018 could look like 2007, nine to me. You know, it's earlier today we were speaking with um, Todd Scott of CNBC, who who was specifically talking about the fear on the side of the establishment GOP, old school folks who are horrified of not a Donald Trump presidency, but a Donald Trump candidacy that crashes and burns and has the opposing party run the tables. Uh, is that what you're referring to as part of a uh, 0709 realignment? Is that, That's is that one of my there? concerns. It's, it's not my primary concern. I, was, you know, I look at uh, Patty Power and the other uh, British sure. um, London-based betting parlors. 
to figure out what the real Chuck odds are. Yeah. And if you look back at Donald Trump, uh, his odds of winning the election in November back, let's say, five months ago, they were in excess yeah. of 50, one, 50 to 1. Uh, two months ago, they were in excess of 10 to 1. Now they're basically um, a little under 3 to 1, and Hillary Clinton is roughly 2 to 5. Um, I think that, you know, that Trump is a real wild card. He's a political blank slate. He presents himself uh, as all things to all people without <clears throat> details mm-hmm. and which road he's going to take in his policies. Um, right. This is obviously perfect for the voters' current zeitgeist. He's riding this, this wave of discontent among those who are sick of the way things are. Yeah. But it's unpredictable and it's somewhat uninformed. And a good yeah. example, you mentioned the tariff on China a couple segments ago. Yeah. Doug Cass with us. Barry Reynolds has been driving the interview because I just discovered David Ortiz is batting 171 in spring training. I'm trying to get my handle around and get that figured out. Doug, um, Kidder Peabody, you work for the small shop of 10, 20, 30, 40. Uh, as a we're, we're killing ourselves here, folks, when we started out in the business. Banking has changed. I think what, what everybody, whether, Doug, they agree with you or disagree with you, would love to know your perspective on where your kid or Peabody or the major banks are. Not in four actually, years. Actually, my job, my job as it relates to your question, uh, before Kidder Peabody, while I was at Wharton, I wrote a book with Ralph Nader called Citibank, which yeah. was pretty well received. In fact, my sister was at... Um, at the University of Wisconsin, it's her banking textbook. Um, and I still speak to Ralph when we talk about Dodd-Frank all the time. Where's the um, banking industry in 10 years? The banking industry is, is, is really screwed in the current environment. Um, up until about 18 months ago, I thought that they were in, in better shape. Um, capital ratios mandated to go lower. Leverage ratios went lower. And the industry was um, sorry, getting out of their $40 billion uh, uh, penalty fees to the government by reducing overhead, reducing lines of businesses, businesses, as well as this pendulum of higher regulatory and compliance costs were starting to ebb and move in the other direction. However, of late, uh, a combination of deteriorating capital markets activity. I don't know if you saw the credit Swiss last week. Oh, yeah. The capital markets business was down 45% yeah. year-to-date over last year's year-to-date, coupled um, with, number one, the kind of uh, resuscitation of the Sanders and the candidacy. And actually, both Trump and Hillary Clinton are anti-banks, it appears. So that pendulum may switch back. Certainly, sentiment is negative. Um, and uh, most importantly, net interest margins, because of rates being so low as they are. Do you see a consolidation? But do you see a consolidation? No, nah, the, the large banks can't get larger. There will be such an uproar politically and by the populace that uh, and the politicians that there's no chance that there will be um, kind of knock-on acquisitions. And they're just the opposite occurring. In fact, I think there's probably a 30 or 40 percent chance that Citibank splits up. The, these large banks have been doing nothing but increasing size, increasing market share. They've been getting bigger and bigger ever sure, since you know the crisis. Than anyone, their, their role in the, Wells Fargo's role and Bank of America's role in the mortgage 
uh, uh, markets currently has never been larger. Yeah, you you want to market, you want to mortgage these days. Uh, the odds very much look like it's coming out of Wells Fargo. You're lucky if it's another bank or even a, another money center bank or even a smaller bank. Right. Uh, Barry, back to the question. My real concern is not the Looney Tunes and politics. You know, it said that history has this delicious correlation to the past that it rarely repeats itself, but it often rhymes. And there are conditions that exist today, especially with regard to the proliferation of debt, which is so rhyming-like to the late uh, 1990s and obviously the uh, housing crisis in the mid-2000s. So, well, go ahead, Tom. I think we have to leave it there just because of time. We've got too much to, to work on today. Doug Cass, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it with Seabreeze uh, Partners, our real money contributor as well. All oh, we get a ton of response when Mr. Cass is on. The uh, market participants really upset with his caution out there. Uh, now, Barry, I do that, find it interesting that people that are cautious on the market are always reticent to state shorts. And, you know, Doug, I heard that from Doug. He really had trouble other than the media stocks talking about where we well it's shot. it's easy to get squeezed you mm-hmm. know when you're on the long side it's very very different because there tends to be some institutional yeah. sponsorship and ownership on the short right. side uh, it's not a a <clears throat> even battle and, but i also state that there are gentlemen like mr cass and i give great credit to jim chanos uh, as well where there's an industry culture back well over a hundred years that you don't tout your shorts. It's just, it's just it's just hardwired into us. It's different long as a societal code to not tout your shorts, whether right or wrong. Uh, for, for all the aforementioned reasons, you you put yourself at risk. Look what happened uh, with Bill Ackman and with Herbalife. He touted that, and people basically look at it as an opportunity to squeeze. Fish in a barrel, to combine my metaphors. It's a dangerous thing to do to reveal a short book. Absolutely. Uh, Barry, are you here tomorrow? I am here all week. Uh, Try the veal. It's just too exciting. Will we be able to survive? I I, I don't know. We'll see. Mm. We'll have analysis scores of Chair Yellen's fresh speech and a lot. I would mention oil uh, down $1.22.38.16 with a print of 38.00. On West Texas Intermediate, we are produced by YUN, Ken Fellow, our global technical director. It's Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning.